Welcome back to Hill Country Institute Live, exploring Christ and culture. This is Larry Lynch Met, your host. Our program brings together Christian leaders with you to talk about key issues of interest to the body of Christ. We invite you to visit our website for podcasts of past programs and audio and video of conferences on faith and culture topics, including art, science, and the works of C.S. Lewis. If you're just now joining us, this is a special program with the mayor of San Antonio, Ivy Taylor. Welcome, Mayor Taylor. Thank you. It's been fun to be with you in the first half of the show. We've (laughs) been talking about uh, the mayor's life and experience, her faith, and how faith and work come together, and particularly in a public life and a family situation. So we had kind of walked through to the point where you're getting on the city council. Mm -hmm. You've gotten a new job at UT San Antonio. You've got a family life going on. I think the the thing that people probably all struggle with to some Mm -hmm. degree is how do we balance all that? How can you be a family person and, and incorporate your teaching? You've got to be there at certain times, and you've got to be at the city council meetings. How do you put this package together? Well, for me, it boiled down to the idea that to whom much is given, much is required. That's the way I've always looked at things. And so I felt I had been blessed to have an excellent education, to have a supportive family, and that I had a passion to try and create opportunities for people who maybe didn't have all those blessings early on. So that's how I kind of made it work. Though I will say, um, if I go off for a little bit on a tangent on parenting, sometimes I read books by uh, Christian women about parenting, you know, kind of seeking out ideas on, you know, how I can be a better parent. And most of the time, those books are written from the perspective of women who stay at home. And uh, that's just not my reality in any in any way. But I try to get the nuggets I can out of there. But I know a lot of Christian families believe that they make that the priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I believe that our community needs to have people of faith in key positions as well. And so for sure. me, that wasn't the path that I walked. And God has given me the strength to be able to juggle these various aspects of my life. Well, the Proverbs 31 example of, mm-hmm. of a beautiful woman, she considers a field and buys it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much being involved in commerce, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so I think I think that there's a definitely a biblical calling for, mm-hmm. for women who are talented mm-hmm. to use those talents in every way possible. Yes. I think in his day, in his way, Jesus was a feminist and brought, <laughs> brought women yes, to sure a new did. level of appreciation. This is true. And women were the, you know, the first to see him. To see him and the spread the news, yes. So that's a pretty, pretty important role. Uh, <laughs> role and and gift. So you became a city council member. When you came into the city council, were were there discussions that uh, because of your faith, you had to go a certain direction or or were there things that were made you feel conflicted because of your faith and things that were going on with the city at that time? At the outset, no, there there weren't too many things. I mean, there were things that kind of behind the scenes that probably folks don't know about that I you know, I, I felt like, well, we probably could have done things differently. But mm-hmm. uh, the first few years, uh, there weren't issues where I really felt like, well, I'm going to have to make a hard decision here. I was so focused on trying to bring resources to a community that had been overlooked. I was a District 2 council member, which is the east side and northeast side of San Antonio. And like in many inner city minority 
predominantly minority neighborhoods had suffered from decay and disinvestment. And I was solely focused on how I could turn that around. I would say probably the first time. So, so my first term, I, I was, I was okay. I just kept focused on those issues, but maybe the first time I came up against something like that was in 2011 when, um, the uh, city manager had introduced domestic partner benefits mm-hmm. into the budget. Yeah. And I know that there was some consternation in the Christian community, but I looked at it. My perspective was that, you know, while I certainly, you know, have my own, uh, have beliefs based on biblical principles mm-hmm. relation, in relation to domestic partnerships, that I felt if these if folks are employees and we're talking benefits, then I didn't feel like that was a place where I needed to make uh, a stand other than, you know, being fair and providing benefits. So mm-hmm. it, it didn't really get too heated for me. So that was in 2011 mm-hmm. where it got heated. <laughs> you know where this is going. I've got a, I've got a gut feeling. It was yeah. in 2013 yeah. when we had a, a very vigorous debate about a uh, proposal for a non-discrimination ordinance. In San Antonio, that again would include sexual preference and identity in the group of protected classes. And I struggled long and hard on how to handle that issue because I did not want to convey disrespect to any members of our San Antonio community. And I also wanted to be true to my faith. My husband, God bless him, he he knew how he wanted me to vote, but he knew he couldn't tell me how to vote. (laughs) And he had to watch me go through the struggle Mm -hmm. of which, you know, how I was going to vote, because for me, it all came down to how was the language going to be written and what would we actually be voting on? Not just like nowadays, sometimes I get frustrated because people just hear an idea. They don't really Mm -hmm. know what we're voting on. It's just, well, I'm opposed to X. Well, in the ordinance, it's really going to say not just X. So X modified by Y. Exactly. Exactly. So I had to see what that how that was all going to shake out. And at the end of the day, you know how I ended up Mm -hmm. voting there. But that really was a, a, a difficult struggle. You know, we talked in the in the first half about building partnerships and and in, and in this case Whatever you did, you had a reputation <laughs> as a listener. I mean, you, yes. you, you didn't vote the way that, uh, right. you know, you were expected to vote by certain people. Mm-hmm. But you must have done something in the context of that mm-hmm. because when the mayor moved on to Washington, mm-hmm. the current, the then mayor, mm-hmm. you were selected by mm-hmm. the city council mm-hmm. to be the next mayor. Yes. So you were one of only three that voted against that ordinance. Yes. How do you think that came about? Uh, me becoming the mayor, people <laughs> voting for me. I would say that God moved on the hearts of men. I really strongly believed that I was the person to shepherd the city through that transition period. I, I wasn't interested in serving beyond that. And so I really felt it was a critical time for the city and that I felt we could really lose ground if the wrong person was in the seat and if they spent the whole year campaigning Mm -hmm. to stay in the seat. So I just set about talking to my colleagues and letting them know why I thought I would be, you know, the best person. Some of them were on board immediately. Uh, Another strong woman of faith on our city council is Councilman Rebecca Villagran. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think God was moving through her as well. She was immediately supportive of me. But uh, there were others that it took more convincing. 
And when it came down to it, I really didn't know how the vote was going to turn out that day. However, I had called my family and told them, look, I may possibly be the mayor. I don't know, but they're going to take a vote. And if they vote me in, I'm going to be sworn in that day. And so my parents flew in from North Carolina. My best friend flew in from New York City. And I was just saying, Lord, I hope they're not all here to see Ray Lopez get sworn in as the next mayor of San Antonio because they spent a lot of money on these plane tickets. But I really had no way of guaranteeing what the outcome was going to be. But that day, it all worked out. That's pretty. That's that's really amazing. It really is. Well, in the in the first half, we talked about your parents. Uh, kind of having this uh, reserve, if you will, about mm-hmm. you coming to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And and now now here they are coming in to see you sworn in as mayor. How did how are they reacting to all these things? Mm-hmm. Well, my biological father, my parents were divorced when I was three. I wish my father were alive to see it. He would have eaten it up. He was a person that was kind of into status and mm. that mm. kind of thing. He came to know Christ very late in life. <laughs> but my dad, who raised me, my stepdad, he is so incredibly proud. I mean, he's a man who went to ninth grade, whose parents uh, worked the fields mm-hmm. in South Carolina, yeah. who worked his way up from sweeping in a um, at a printing press to learning how to use the press and became a printing pressman. And that's how he was able to provide a stable home uh, life for us. So he is absolutely amazed. He said to me afterwards, I just can't because I had to take over the meeting after I was sworn in. He said, I just can't believe you knew what to say. And you just you just sat up there and you just ran the meeting and you, you, you <laughs> and he was overwhelmed. Now, my mom, on the other hand, she's never been impressed by things in the world at all. She didn't really she's not so impressed. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, hopefully she sees that you're you're settled in a good home anyway. Yeah, at the least here. And San Antonio's been a good a good city for you. You're a woman and an African American. We go mm-hmm. I want to go back to that, thinking about you in that role in this transition from city council to interim mayor mm-hmm. and then you, you come to a point something happened during that time where you decided to run. And how did your faith and, and, and race and how did all these things fit together when you're acting as mayor mm-hmm. but you're you're in a temporary situation mm-hmm. and then you decide I, I want to go for it. You right. know, something something changed because you were. If I, I may not use the term you would use, but you were you were trying to be a caretaker because it had been a difficult mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and you saw yourself in that role. And I see you as a great listener, and and that's such an important talent for that kind of role. It's a, I think it's, it's it's not listed as a spiritual gift, but I sure think it's in there. <laughs> you know? It's hard to be gentle and kind if you're not a good listener. But gentle and kind also is only one side. You, you've also got to have some backbone and some strength to be. Uh, in a public position like yes. that. So how does how does that all play out? Well, let's see. How can I succinctly respond? It all kind of builds on each other mm-hmm. and kind of the path that God had kind of created for me and those little moments that provided light into what I was supposed to be doing. I probably have to go back to... 2012, 2011 or 2012, where my good friend on the city council, Reed Williams, said to me, Ivy, in 2017, I think you ought to run for mayor. And I just about thought he was crazy. I said, <laughs> Reed, I am black. This is San Antonio. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to win. <laughs> what are you talking about? But for someone of his stature to suggest that 
to me planted that in my mind early on. So then I started, so I kind of tossed the idea around and I had pretty much concluded I could never win the mayor's race here, you know, with this black face in San Antonio. (laughs) But I I kept saying, uh, so when people would, so then a couple other people suggested to me and I kept saying to them, I want to be the mayor, but I don't want to run for mayor. I want to be the mayor, but I don't want to run for for mayor. I said that over and over like a mantra. It was a joke Uh to me. And then God brought it into reality. Uh Uh-oh. So. Got to watch it, don't you? I know. So then I felt like, well, thank you, Jesus. You gave me exactly what I asked for. And once this year is over, I will move on and do other things. Well, once more people were able to see the leadership style that I brought and the skills that I brought and the experience I had, then so many people started asking me to run for mayor. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I, I really didn't want to do I, I really don't relish campaigning. You know, I felt, again, that God had satisfied my requests and that I should be content to ride off into the sunset. So in the fall of 2014, after I had been appointed, I had the privilege, the blessing to be able to meet Dr. Condoleezza Rice. She was consulting with a company that was looking to do business with the city. And so I was so excited to meet her. And we sat down and we were, you know, exchanging pleasantries, introducing each other. And she was she was excited to meet me. I couldn't (laughs) believe it. And she says, well, mayor, she says, I've been told that you're not planning to run. And I said, no, I'm not going to run for mayor. And she says, you're not going to run. And then she looked at everybody in the room. She said, we need a little girl talk. And she made everybody leave the room. And then she looked me eye to eye, Dr. Condoleezza Rice. And she said, and why is it that you're not going to run for mayor? And I told her the whole story about how I said I want to be the mayor and I don't want to run for mayor. And God gave me just what I wanted and I should just move on. And she said, have you ever thought that maybe God needed to put you in the position so that you could see the work that you would do so that you would know that you should run? And I was just uh, looking at her and I'm like, no, Dr. Rice, I hadn't thought of that. And it was one of those amazing, amazing moments in my life that I never could have imagined. And Dr. Condoleezza Rice sitting there urging me to run for mayor. So that was kind of a turning point of me thinking, but I was still very, very reluctant. My husband wanted me to do it from day one. Every night before I went to sleep, he would say, did you decide yet? Are you going to run? Did you decide? Are you going to run? So then uh, just more and more prayer, asking God what direction. I kind of flip-flop back and forth. You know, when some people who supported me and supported the initial idea of me running when they heard who the competition was going to be after Miss Vanderpute lost her uh, lieutenant governor race when mm-hmm. she jumped in. People told me, oh, no, you, you know, it was a good idea Ivy, for you to run, but, you know, you can't beat her. So you might as well forget it. So uh, it was just really a, the, it was one of the toughest decisions I ever had to make. But I couldn't make the decision until I felt a sense of peace. And then one day I finally felt that sense of peace. I did have a gentleman come up, to, come to me at when I had a prayer, the interfaith meeting last year. Mm-hmm. He came up to me, uh, Steve Valiant, I think is his name. And, and he said, I had a dream about you. And I've been wanting to tell you about it for four months. And he said, the message is that you, uh, God says, if you if you want it, you can have it. You can be the mayor. And, mm-hmm. you know, that it would take me some time to do, uh, complete my assignment as mayor. Mm-hmm. And so all those things combined. Finally, one day I just woke up and I had a sense of peace. And I felt like this is what I felt like before that. I kept feeling like I had so much to lose. Mm-hmm. But one day I just realized it's just my service has never been about me. So if it's not about me, what do I have to lose sure. by running? So then that's when I felt the path was clear to run. 
So that's kind of setting aside self, setting aside ego. Yes. And and then stepping into the role that yes. God has called you into. Yes. So it, it, it seems that the Christian community was essential in putting your campaign together and supporting you, getting the word out. Is I that, did receive a lot yeah. of support from the Christian community, uh, both at the polls and just uh, in prayers, you know, and people with encouraging words for me. So mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for that. And I think um, I think me running and me serving made Christians feel more welcome to be part of the local political conversation and dialogue. I think, you know, some of the actions in the previous um, tenure had made people feel uh, somewhat alienated. So, um, um, you know, I'm grateful for that because everybody needs to be involved and engaged in their local government here. Sure. Yeah, it's part of our calling, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Well, when when we're thinking about your... Your role and your position, are there particular Bible verses that you like to call on, like to kind of pull up and and refer back to? Well, um, of course, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Um, the uh, and Isaiah, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That one is a favorite. And then here recently, so I started carrying around. I'm not one of these women that usually carries around all these little cutesy little things, <laughs> but I have this hot pink planner I've been carrying around that I got for 2016. But I carry it because on the front it says Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares mm. the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I have to remind myself. <laughs> of that on a regular basis in many of these meetings I'm in. So <laughs> I pull out my planner and, and I and I think of it not just in relation to myself, but also for our, our city uh-huh. as well. So Yeah. Yeah, because cities cities have gifting. Cities are created to do certain things. And it and it looks like one of the things you're trying to do is bring out the very best that San Antonio can be, uh, you know, from God's perspective. Is that? Yeah. Yes, I am trying to do two things. One is bring us all together as one San Antonio. I mean, we all have different interests, lifestyles, and we may have different religions and all that. But um, ultimately, our, our fates are tied together here. We are interconnected and we should be working together in that way. And I observed as a community development planner, you know, back mm-hmm. when I was working in those uh, apartment communities and seeing people who couldn't benefit from the great programs we have because they couldn't pay their rent. I realized that, you know, we have been growing into two communities, one that's prosperous and stable and one that is not. And so part of uh, really the core of the work that I want to do and things I want to accomplish as mayor of San Antonio have to do with breaking those chains of generational poverty and providing opportunity for people who've been disconnected and working in collaboration and partnership to bring that stability to people's lives. And and I think that is definitely germane to our call to spread the gospel because, I mean, even Jesus said, these people are not going to listen to me. They're hungry. Yeah. I got to give them something to eat. Yeah. Then once they, yeah. Yeah. once they have something in their bellies, then they can hear what I'm trying to say. So, I mean, we, you, we can't be successful in reaching people with the gospel if their homes are broken, 
They don't have homes. They're hungry. So uh, we really have a lot of work to do here in San Antonio as far as uh, generational poverty. A lot of that goes back to other public policy issues, um, education, of course, being at the top of the list. But I really think we can make a difference. I think a lot of people have kind of shrugged their shoulders and it's like, well, you know, even if you grew up in those circumstances, a lot of people say, well, I pulled myself out. I moved to the north side. You know, I, you know, my family's fine. Well, what about all the people that have been left behind that didn't have any, yeah. you know, didn't have any way to pull themselves up? We we all end up paying the price when they don't because we end up paying for more social services and paying in many other uh, ways for the poor outcomes in their lives. So as mayor, that's one of the things I, I really want to address. And I'm trying to do that through workforce development. And one of the one of the things I've read is that you you, you and or maybe through the mayor's office through the school districts, there are there's a need for educational volunteers to be mentors. Yes. Do you, do you want to mention how people could get involved with that program if they're interested? Oh, sure. Well, we are actually we're going to be launching um, next week a program called My Brother's Keeper, um, which is specifically focused on at risk minority males. Okay. Um, who all the studies show have poor life outcomes in every regard, whether that be income, health, life expectancy, mm-hmm. and that impacts all of us. Sure. Uh, so we are in relation to that program. We're definitely looking for our mentors, but there are many ways to get involved with mentoring in San Antonio. I'm a former board member of Big Brothers Big Sisters. That's mm-hmm. another uh, great avenue to get involved in mentoring, and then uh, kind of t- tackling uh, two, you know, hitting two birds with one stone is uh, going into the schools and helping kids learn to read because they're having access to a caring adult as a mentor. But but also helping them to improve their literacy skills really is key to our um, our future as a community. So if they're if if somebody's listening and they're interested, they can contact the mayor's office and yes. you'll, you'll help them find yes. the right place. Yes, Mayor Taylor, how can how can people pray for you? I know there's a group of Christians that pray for you monthly, mm-hmm. but uh, and if and if anyone's interested, can they come join and pray for you in that monthly? Oh, meeting? Oh yes, sure. We have a breakfast meeting that. Um, Pastor Warren Beamer, uh, he's the organizer behind that. So if you get in touch with him, he can uh, let you know. Yes, we get together once a month and uh, we fellowship and pray. But for folks that would like to pray um, for our for me and for the community. First, I, I ask that they would pray that God would grant me wisdom because this is mm-hmm. a tough job. It's a multitude of issues. It's a multitude of personalities and agendas that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. So I ask that they would pray that God would grant me wisdom. I also pray, I also ask that they would pray that God would unite the city council because we do have a few people who are a little off in left field who are more focused on their political future than on what's best for our community. Mm -hmm. And we need God's intervention there. We also need prayer for police community relations. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know that we've been in a protracted debate with the unions related to uh, their benefits and health care. But what's now coming to the fore is tensions related to their tactical operations and how they interact with the community. We had a tragic officer-involved shooting where an SAPD officer killed a gentleman who had a cell phone in his hand. He thought the cell phone was a weapon. 
And um, that has caused some strains in the community. And community uh, members, frankly, are asking for more accountability in relation to um, disciplinary procedures and review procedures. And some of those things are actually dictated by the collective bargaining agreement. And mm-hmm. citizens are surprised when they learn that. Back that, to the X, Y, and Yes. yes. (laughs) There you go. Uh That the mayor can't just go in and say, well, if Officer X does this, then this is going to be outcome. No, that's governed by collective bargaining. The union has to agree that that's what's Mm -hmm. going to happen. Mm -hmm. So we have been at an impasse, and I would love to resolve this. So I I certainly ask that people would pray for that. And then finally on um, just this idea of us breaking the chains of generational poverty. If I'm sure there's some people out there that want to pray on that, not just pray, but also act. But sometimes the church gets focused on meeting the immediate physical needs of, a you know, soup kitchen, food, that kind of thing, emergency shelter without really putting in more thought and more prayer on how can we help this person not be in this situation where they won't be coming back to this food pantry. What is missing in their lives where they're not able to gain employment or they're not able to keep their family together? Teaching them to fish. Yes. Give them a fish. There you go. Well, Mayor, we're we're drawing to the end of our time. Would you like to say a brief prayer uh, to close out our program? Okay, sure. Great. Thank you. All right. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful for this opportunity to share. I'm grateful for the opportunity to share my story, and I I pray, Lord, that someone will be touched by seeing how your hand has moved in my life. But, Lord, we come before you today asking that you would uh, move here in our San Antonio community. Lord, I just listed several issues where your intervention is needed. God, I pray that you would direct us to be your hands and feet here and grant us wisdom to know how we can achieve um, the outcomes that we need on these issues and how we can ultimately bring more people to know you. Lord, we just thank you for uh, all your blessings. And more than anything, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Mayor Taylor. This is Hill Country Institute Live. We invite you to visit hillcountryinstitute.org to hear previous programs and to consider a donation to this ministry. Have a blessed day, and remember to bless those around you with the good news of the love of Christ. 